welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast! Woo-hoo. We are four psychotherapists, <laughs> three from Canada, one from the United States, serving you cutting edge, cutting edge mental health knowledge. <laughs> or cutting hedges. We are cutting hedge knowledge. <laughs> yes. And I am Ryan Howes, a psychologist from Pasadena, California. I'm Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from Vancouver, Canada. I'm uh, Chris Boyd, also a clinical counselor from Vancouver. And I'm Joanna Boyd, uh, also a clinical counselor from Vancouver and Chris's younger sister. Chris's younger sister, (laughs) that's right. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Chris. We missed you last week, but your dad did a better job. Yeah, you were voted <laughs> off the island. Voted, I heard. Voted off the podcast. I heard. Yeah, but you know what? I know what the link is. It's a recurring link, so I clicked on it tonight. You can't get rid of me. You can't get. Okay, you know how to get on the podcast. So you're back. You're back with us. Welcome back. A little disappointed you're not wearing a costume. We all kind of. Put ourselves out there last week with a nice Halloween costume. Um, by the way, just want to throw this out here. I had a, a listener who listened to and, and watched actually the, uh, the YouTube video of our podcast and said, you know what? That hat that I was wearing, that's not a Columbo thing. But <laughs> Columbo is known for his trench coat. Uh, I was wearing a hat. I was wearing a hat that's more like a Sherlock Holmes hat. Uh, deerstalker hat, they call that. It was kind of like that. And so uh, I totally missed the boat there. Both detectives, but uh, I missed the uh, the oh. the accessories there. So yeah, you I got appreciate called out. I got called none out. Of, none of us knew. No, no one knew. I I, I was wrong. But, uh, you know, it's okay. We I don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect, everybody. We can make mistakes. We don't. And I appreciate, I appreciate being informed next time. If I want to be Columbo, I'll get a trench coat or I'll call myself Sherlock in that hat. Okay. Perfect. Good to know. So what's, uh, what's the latest with you guys? Anything coming up this week or anything uh, interesting in your neck of the woods? Remembrance Day. Okay. So another Canadian-American little shift. We both have our, our days. Uh, November 11th up here is called Remembrance Day, opposed to Ryan? Veterans Day. Veterans, Veterans Day. Day. That's right. Yeah. So everyone, it is a holiday, like everyone gets the day off. Um, stat holiday. And stat? So statutory, yeah, stat oh. holiday, which oh. means uh, for people who have to work, they get paid extra, time and a half. Nice. Typically, I- we don't call those that. That's interesting. Uh, some people call it a bank holiday or government holiday because yeah. a lot of those things are, are shut down here. A lot of people still, of course, need to work. Yep. Um, schools are usually closed that day. So, yeah, there's uh, – and it's always interesting when it comes in the middle of the week like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And typically we all go to the uh, local legions. Uh, we have legions up here and then, uh, or, or the legions will host a ceremony, like perhaps a parade. Uh, and then we go to the local cenotaph for a ceremony and people lay wreaths. Last year in my city where I was, they did a 21 gun salute, which was actually like setting off a cannon 21 times. Wow. It was, it was uh, 
I'm glad that I went. It was quite the experience just to feel the vibrations through your body of, and you couldn't, there were so many people, you couldn't see when the cannon was going to go off. So it was actually, uh, yeah, the nervous system. You can only imagine what it would have been like to actually be in war. Wow. This is, that's yeah. interesting. So I got to say, we, did you say, what did you say word cenotaph? What's that? Yes. Yeah. It's like a memorial, like a, it's like a statue, a statue or, or yeah. So each uh, city, so all the towns and cities have them to honor our veterans. Sure, sure. Yes, we definitely have memorials in, in our cities as well. Usually list the names of people who were who were lost in various wars, that sort of thing. But uh, maybe it's called a cenotaph here. I just never knew. But that's, that's a cool name. So to clarify, a cenotaph is an empty tomb or a monument erected in honor of a person or group of people whose remains are elsewhere. Uh -huh. there it is there go. yes got it yeah. yeah yeah we're also uh up in canada observing uh obviously uh, quite the week down there for our american friends and so hopefully that uh everything gets resolved and yes but uh I'm sure a bit of stress down there for some of our american listeners as they're I trying to figure out uh the resolution to this election right i saw a, a nice post online someone was saying that uh you know, click here to claim your emotional support Canadian because yeah. uh, <laughs> you guys have been kind enough to uh, provide emotional support for we Americans who may be experiencing a bit of stress at this time. So, yeah, the uncertainty, right? Yes. Yeah, being in limbo is not, not fun. So hopefully that uh, gets resolved. And It's not fun, but I'm so glad to have three plus, I guess maybe your dad could cap too, is uh, three emotional support Canadians. Uh, if, if you accept the job, that is. We do. Thank you very I much. We do. That's great. <laughs> yes, might need it. Uh, it's been a stressful time down here for sure. Yeah. Yes. So, gosh, I've got to say, you guys, we've been doing this uh, podcast now for four months. I think this is our 16th episode. And, uh, I've had a good time. I was just looking over the, the variety of episodes we've had, you know, we talked about a lot of different topics. Last week was procrastination, which is cool. We've talked about grief and sensitivity and uh, any number of things. Self-acceptance. Self-acceptance, sleep hygiene. We've gone through a lot Twice. of different things. Twice even, <laughs> we kind of nipped that a couple times. That's true. Um, but yes, so I think we may be running out of topics. I think that's, we've, we've done 16. I think it's about all there is to talk about, right? Nothing more regarding mental health, right? We did it. We solved it. All right. So this is our last, uh, last podcast then. Eh? This is so our farewell. Fun. Say, say what we're grateful for and what our favorite moment was, and then we'll sign off. <laughs> oh, no. Let's not trigger any abandonment issues. We're definitely not done talking about mental health. There are so many things to talk about. So and many, yeah. So very many things, and we uh, we are looking forward to continuing. I've I've had a blast, um, and you know, getting some good feedback from people who say, "Yeah, it's kind of fun. It feels like they're they're kind of listening in on, kind of eavesdropping on a conversation between uh, between a bunch of therapists talking about a topic." So that's, uh, that's exactly what we're hoping for. Thanks so. for eavesdropping, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we 
it's kind of how we developed it in the first place. We're like, hey, we, we've been having these meetings actually for several years because of the, uh, the mental health boot camp, www.mentalhealthbootcamp.com, um, our, our main project. And we've been having these weekly Zoom calls really for three years, three and a half, four years, something like that. So we're like, why don't we just record some of these? So uh, that's what we're doing. So glad you guys like it. If you have any topic suggestions, please write to us, info at Mental Health Bootcamp, and uh, we would be happy to address your questions or concerns. And we want to see it spread around the globe. We, we get a feed, a, a, a little um, bit of data from the, uh, the podcast site. We don't have anyone's information. We don't have any personal information at all. Don't worry about that. Except all for you, Gary, in Idaho. We know all about you. That is not true. There may be, maybe Gary is thing I know. Uh, but all we do see is that, oh, we had, we had three listeners in South Dakota and we had someone from Peru and someone from Sweden and that sort of thing. So that's kind of fun to be able to look at that and go, wow, we're spreading around the globe. So if you feel inclined, please uh, let a friend or family member know that we're out there and we would love to uh, increase our listeners. It'd be fun. Indeed. So there's my plugs. There's my commercial. That's enough. Well done. So maybe we should get to our, our main task here, which is the actual ambush, where one of us knows what the topic is. The other three don't know what it is, and you're just going to drop it on us. So who gets it this week? That would be me. So let me uh, cue it up here. Okay. And let's see here. Send to actually I had it queued up a second ago. Uh-oh. 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 Oh, here it is. Okay, sent. Okay. Okay. Is it sleep hygiene? Yes. He's it really be, thinking about it. It could be just deja vu and we just talk about everything we've already talked about. Is yeah. Procrastination because you weren't here. You didn't yeah, right. know that was the topic. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. No, we're uh, we're going to talk about self care. Uh, no, that was our first <laughs> episode. Uh, I would read this, but there's a word here that I can't. I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Canadian? Is okay, let me look over it again. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I mean, it's I'll, I'll read. It. I'll, it's pronounced. It's spelled out. B e h a v i o u r. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that means. Oh, I see. I see. It's behavior. <laughs> okay, I got it. Okay. It's like an old Canadian spelling of behavior. Okay, enough jokes aside, here we go. <laughs> when would an unhealthy behavior be considered an addiction? Why do some people become addicted and others do not? Uh, advice for those dealing with an addiction. Wow, we're diving right into the addiction topic. This is a big one in the world of mental health, isn't it? Huge, huge. Kind of, um, there's a good follow up to the bad habit or just habits, sorry, yeah. that we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're talking bad habits, really. We were diving right into that. When we're unhealthy yeah, behavior, become... yeah, an addiction, right? So, okay, all of you addiction experts, what do we know about this? Oh man, there's so yes, much. Yes, you addiction experts. Let's hear it. There's so much. So, um, so you could take that in a few ways, right? Because it, 
when an unhealthy behavior, when you start to develop urges or desires um, that become almost compulsive, like you're losing control over that urge or desire, but that urge or desire might be physiological or psychological. And then when that happens, there's going to be interruption or impairment of functioning in one or more domains or areas of your life. And so when that compulsion becomes too much and it's starting to impact negatively impact your life, then we really have to start looking at that because that means you're ignoring the consequences of that behavior and that behavior is actually ruling you. Okay. That, when you talk about domains of your life, tell me what that might mean, Brooke. Great, great question. Yeah. So that could be your social life. That could be your work life. That could be your family life. Um, that could be your spiritual life. If you have a strong, uh, religion community that you belong to um physical well-being physical well-being would be yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so if there's consequences that yeah we're now ignoring those consequences to fill the urge or desire of use then that i would i would say that's when we're entering the realm of addiction i think the word addiction even sometimes mm -hmm is a tough word to use. A lot of, I think we're almost making a swing more to substance misuse versus addiction sometimes, because not only are chemicals addictive, but behaviors are addictive. Mm -hmm. So chemicals, I mean, we might have an alcohol addiction, but there could also be shopping, internet, gaming, pornography, uh, self-harm. Which? Eating. Yeah. Food, sure. Exercise. Over-exercising. Yeah. That could be something as yeah. well. So, yeah, I'm curious, Brooke, like um, you mentioned like an awareness of the impairment on the key parts of your life, but there are some, some folks out there that don't realize that it's impairing their life or they're in denial of that, right? What we would refer to as pre-contemplative in terms of uh, an addictive behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not... I guess the awareness, it's the fact that there are consequences happening. Yeah. So maybe you lose your job or you have been written up twice, not the third time to get you fired. Um, you keep arguing with your spouse about this, the problem, whether it's gaming too much or mm. if it's alcohol and these arguments with your spouse are becoming more frequent and regular or more intense. Um, your children are no, no longer connecting with you. Um, you haven't seen your friends in a while. So, or, yeah, there's evidence of it. Yeah. There might be physiological things to some of these as well, right? <laughs> interrupting your sleeping or your eating, or maybe you're coughing up tar. Uh, maybe you're getting tremors in the morning because you're drinking too much in the, the night before. Like there could be physiological sure. interruptions too. Yeah, no, for uh, sure. A couple of thoughts I want to throw out there just as we're kind of sorting through this topic. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to cover. Um, one is that there, there's a growing group of people out there talking about the fact that even with some of the behavioral um, addictions, uh, we, they could also be qualified as chemical because of the neurotransmitters that people are getting, the dopamine hit they're getting, the, the serotonin yeah. they feel, this, this uh, spark of good feeling when you gamble and you get a jackpot or you get a 21, like boom, there's this little hit of of adrenaline that you get that feels good and so people get addicted to that right yes yeah. which would be the physiological component mm -hmm. of it right so i would i would have two classifications like chemical or behavioral being mm -hmm. like where is the source 
of that hit coming from? Sure. Where is the source of the reward system, you know? Sure. And the, the second point I wanted to make is that a lot of times when, when talking about addiction, there are, there are two other areas that people talk about. Um, we're talking about like dependency uh, on, a, on a chemical, usually. Mm -hmm. And that would be tolerance and withdrawal. So if someone has a, uh, a dependency on a drug, let's say I'm really into whatever it might be. Uh, the opiates, maybe? Opiates. We'll say an opiate. Yeah. Say I'm taking oxy for pain. And, yeah. and I develop a, a tolerance, which means uh, really what that means is my body now uh, absorbs, I'm, I'm taking 10 milligrams, whatever, whatever that the, the measure might be. And then suddenly 10 doesn't really work quite as much anymore. So now I need to up it to 20 and then I go up to 30 and I go up to 40, right? So then my body is saying I need more in order to get the same uh, effect. And yeah. that, the second part of that is the degree of withdrawal that you feel. Like, let's say I need to stop now. You know, people often talk about quitting smoking and how hard that is because of the withdrawal, the difficulty that is, the, the physical symptoms they feel and the psychological symptoms they feel at not having that uh, to, to yeah. go to. And they so, can be so intense too um, in terms of that withdrawal, like opiates, for instance, if you're taking it steady for a while and increasing the dosage of whatever that drug might be, then if you stop taking it, you actually get physically sick, right? Sure. Um, it could be very, um, the withdrawal can be vicious. Could be uh, deadly in yeah, some cases. Can be deadly. Yeah, absolutely. You die from it far beyond just craving and, and being agitated and, and whatever that might be, right? Right. Right. So so there's all these terms we're talking about here. We got tolerance, withdrawal, dependency, addiction, uh, the chemicals and the behaviors, all of this that's going on. But the question that our our colleague here shared was when would an unhealthy behavior be considered an addiction? So what's, is there a line that we can draw there or something at least to be aware of that this unhealthy behavior may be a, actually an addiction? And Brooke, you kind of mentioned that the, the domains of a person's life being affected, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would, it, would it maybe be the amount of time that is spent on that specific thing? And if that is then taken away from other areas significantly, whether yeah. you're, yeah, it's, it's seeping into work life or family life noticeably right because we all have habits um and you might do something on a, a daily basis but if it maybe starts to be longer and longer or you're starting to do other important life tasks less mm -hmm. that's probably going to be a uh oh what's going on yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting because I, I find this is it's most uh it's more difficult to tease out when it's something that's that a lot of society considers healthy right so you got someone who works out obsessively, right? They working out four hours a day. I'm, you know, really busting my butt to, to get in great shape. And they can say, well, look, I'm, I'm in, I'm very healthy. I'm the picture of health now and I'm taking care of myself. What's wrong with that? But I guess it's looking at the different domains in a person's life and saying, well, how are your relationships doing? How's your work life? How are mm -hmm. you, how are you resting? Mm -hmm. And how are yeah. you responding? when you're not able I was just gonna to do that workout there yes yeah Joanna yeah. do you want to expand on maybe no I just no you just took the thought um oh. but I had in terms of yeah that mm -hmm. if they're not able to do that thing it if it starts to cause some distress or if there's you know if they're not able to do that workout like you said are they really upset about it are they gonna maybe be thinking about it more or just um it's kind of occupying their mind maybe there's another, there's a term we talked about uh, before, uh, maybe it was in, in episode one, we were talking about food, it's orthorexia. 
Yes. Right? And this idea, orthorexia, which is this, this condition of, of being so hyper-focused on nutrition that, uh, that it can actually kind of disrupt the domains, the other domains of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Brooke, do you have some more insight into that? Um, yeah, so orthorexia isn't a formal eating disorder by any means. It's not in our big diagnostic book, um, so it's not a formal thing. But it, the theory behind it is more like a, an obsession with eating clean, quote unquote, clean or pure foods that are like natural, organic, um, healthy, deemed healthy, and that's paired with a bunch of other things such as an intense fear of gaining weight. Um, but it's also paired with like a sense of purity and almost sometimes looking down on others if they aren't able to do those behaviors. Um, so there's strong judgment towards foods that don't fall into those categories. Ah, okay. Yeah. This, I see. I, I hear a lot. I'm not. I'm not vegan myself, but I hear that vegans get a hard time sometimes because they're perceived to be kind of judgmental about that. Whether whether or not they are, I don't know. But uh, some people yeah. say that might be one of mm-hmm. these stereotypes there, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, if the person who is now eating only pure and organic, um, we have. I have a friend who likes to eat really well, and. Uh, but he, he said it really well. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to be a jerk about it. Like he, he does follow certain dietary restrictions for 80% of his life. He's like, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. If I go to someone's house, I'm going to eat whatever they're like. If I'm going for sure. dinner, I'm going to eat what they're serving. If I'm sure. at a friend's birthday party, I'm going to eat the birthday cake because that's normal behavior. I'm not going to impose that and I'm not going to preach or now he doesn't quite preach. Um, all the the different things or reasons why these foods are bad or these ones are better than others, right? But when it starts getting to that point, we want to take a look at that. What is the, the function of that? Or if you can't go out to eat with your friends for a special yes. meal because you're worried about the contents of the food, like that might be a bit of a flag. Might not. Huh. Doesn't necessarily mean addiction, but. Okay. Sure. But, but it also kind of highlights how it can impact your social connections, right? Because if if you're feeling judged by someone else's decisions uh, or their nutritional plan, then that can, that can create some tension or friction. Certainly. So, okay. So we've come, come to kind of an idea of what, what addiction might be um, and when, when something might become an addiction or or an unhealthy, and when an unhealthy behavior could become an addiction, it's basically when there's an impairment happening to either yourself or to the people around you. And, uh, and you might recognize that you might not, someone else may have to point that out to you, you know, Hey, maybe this is uh, not actually helping your, the balance in your life. Mm-hmm. Why? But there's a choice towards the thing causing the distress. I think yes. that's a key part to it. So even okay. though there's negative consequences, there's almost like a, an ignoring of those consequences. It may be conscious or subconscious for the use of the behavior of the substance. Like, yeah, my mom's always mad at me, but I'm going to keep playing video games anyway. Sure. I'm going into debt, but I'm going to keep gambling. I'm, yeah, I'm going into debt, but you know what? I can't, I can't stop. I'm going to keep gambling. Um, yeah. There's, okay, there's another component to this too, which I think a lot of the, the really addiction-focused therapists will get into, which is 
that that the addiction itself can serve a function for a lot of people in terms of Absolutely. it's a it's a way to avoid something else oftentimes yeah. or a way to mask or numb something else yeah. in their life you know i'm very you know upset with with one area of my life my work life or my relationships or something like that but i can't really face all that emotion or it feels too messy or it feels like it won't get me anywhere so i turn to an addiction instead because it helps me to kind of avoid it and yeah. numb out right no it's a, it's a good point it often serves a purpose at some point right yeah it, i mean it seems to serve a purpose and and as i tell some of my clients you know the, the one of the hard parts of uh, of some of these addictions or kicking some of these addictions is they work like if if what you're wanting is an escape from your reality yeah great you can you know getting high or or drinking a lot or getting you know swept into shopaholic behavior or gambling or something like that it does effectively take you out of uh that those real problems for a while temporarily uh the problem is then you wake up the next day and you still have those problems to face and maybe you have other consequences now that you, now you're broke or you're hungover or your body's damaged or something like that yeah true mm -hmm. okay so gosh i i've thought of another question that maybe we don't have time to get into which is since we're talking, a topic this is a big topic it is a big topic but but this would be kind of distinguishing between addictive behavior and like obsessive compulsive behavior right mm -hmm. oh whole different gamut yeah a whole different gamut what tell me is there is there a simple way to put this because we've got more questions to ask here i don't i don't think that there is and i think it's a highly like that that is a very important question and one that is being explored i think amongst like academics in the in the field because there is a lot of talk of that when like are eating disorders actually obsessive compulsive disorders not saying eating disorders or addictions but like do yeah. they fall into that realm as well so uh, obsessive compulsive disorder is when you have an obsession and then you need to follow a ritual to release the tension from the obsession right like there is yeah and rituals and and the rituals are typically behaviors mm -hmm. yeah and if they don't go in that certain way then there's high levels of distress um yeah. Which is interesting because stress is often a, a common component, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think a lot in of it boils down cases. to stress tolerance, right? Like, are you comfortable feeling uncomfortable feelings? And, yeah. and if you're not, then often we turn to other things. And if that works well, then we keep turning to that thing. And if we live a chaotic life, we're going to turn to that thing more and more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think we're going to get into this in the next question here, but I think there might be another commonality there. Yeah, I guess there's, I don't know how to put this, but it feels to me like there's a, a, a distinguishing factor from like an OCD, true obsessive behavior is that it's, it's coming from someplace, you know, they're kind of driven by a motor deep down inside. It's, it's not often uh, envir environmentally caused. It's something that's really, truly internal. Whereas addictive behavior, I believe, can be learned. And I guess this is where we're going to be going in this next part of the question. So question two, why do some people become addicted and others do not? So where does that come from? So, so we always want to look at nature and nurture, right? So 
as biological aspects here, genetic aspects and epigenetics as well, and experiential temperament. Um, up here, uh, we have a psychologist or a psychiatrist named Gabor Mate, and he focuses a lot on trauma and how he swears or he's very confident that those who are suffering from addiction, there tends to be trauma in their history. So he's made that kind of link through his research working with uh, a lot of uh, addicted people down in the downtown east side, like a lower income area of Vancouver. It's actually the poorest postal code, I think, in the world. Really? Or North America. Or is it North America? Yeah. I've read that somewhere where it's like a crazy stat on that. So there's actually, um, I think the last time they tried to track the number of people, it was 8,500 residents within a very small like blockage. And they're all like um, homeless people. Wow. Yeah. And I think, I think you guys. So it's like a city within a city, but that there would be a huge black number because it would be a bunch of people they couldn't track. There's, I think you guys mentioned a few months ago that there was actually a, a stat that came out that there were more people in Vancouver, maybe all of Canada, dying of addiction than dying of COVID. Oh, yeah. So last month, I think it was, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it was 175 people died last month of fentanyl overdose or oh. drug overdose. So yeah. like the total since even the pandemic began is like atrocious. Yeah, we're in thousands. Thousands of people yeah. have died just this year from drug overdose. So we have a huge mm -hmm. substance misuse addiction mm -hmm. um, concern happening up here. Oh, okay. And yeah. to bring it back to what, what Chris was saying, trauma oftentimes is that, uh, I don't know if it's at the root of it, but it's often at least correlated with, uh, with drug use, right? And, and I would throw out there that for some of the OCD clients I've worked with too, often there's major challenges or traumas that they've experienced too in certain circumstances. So I guess, again, delving into that other topic and comparing the two, I'm curious to know what that connection is. Mm -hmm. it, it, it just go ahead, bro. No, go. Uh, interesting thing when it when when we talk about nature nurture, especially things like like drug abuse and uh, and even domestic violence and things like that. People will say, well, it runs in the family, and they'll say that's maybe that's that's evidence for a, a genetic cause, like it's in your DNA, like you're going to be more abusive or you're going to be more have more drug uh, abuse. But we also have to consider that if it runs in the family, it's also environmental. You're also witnessing that as a child, right? Oh, this is how, you know, mom and dad dealt with their stress by having a drink every night. Or, um, you know, when dad got angry, he beat up mom or something like that. So there's, there's both nature and nurture going on with this oftentimes. And so uh, it's, it's kind of hard to tease out, like, what's, what's really at play here, right? Yeah, it's always, always both, isn't it? It degrees of, of either one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was um, going to say it. I, I agree that underneath there's probably some trauma back there and nature nurture. I completely agree with that. Uh, an interesting question to me is like, well, there's going to be people who go through trauma that don't develop an addiction. Which is our so, question. Yeah. So is it like who develops the addiction or not, or who, who, who gets through the trauma in a different way, right? Like, so why is it that some traumas evolve into addiction and some traumas evolve? Yeah, so I think 
uh, Anytime uh, recovery or whatever. Post-traumatic growth, right? And that's exactly it. So then looking at environmental supports, community support, um, resiliency factors. Right. Just, I feel like there's probably a lot of sense of belonging and connection into your like social group or your family. Are you being outcasted? Are you alone? Are you, um, are you able to reach out for support? Are there underlying health issues when you have your trauma? So are, are you already running anxious? Do you already have, sure. what's your attachment style when you've had that trauma? Yeah. So, so yeah, a good point is we all, it's always a multivariate approach, right? There's multiple variables here that we have to take into account. Mm -hmm. Okay. So inconclusive, why do some people become addicted and others do not? I mean, nature, nurture, we've got genetical, genetic factors. We've got environmental factors. We have uh, personality differences, things like that. Yeah, resiliency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Openness, openness to change might be one too, um, or uh, willingness yeah. to get help. Yeah. A, a availability um, of, of support of resources, support systems. Right. I think that might be something too. education, you know, well, unfortunately, uh, we have here, poverty as well. Yeah. Poverty. There's a lot of addiction, but there's also a lot of addiction in persons who are wealthy. They have the funds. Mm -hmm to purchase right yes sure if, if we're talking about chemical or drug or alcohol yeah, yeah. no it's so true I, I was speaking with somebody about uh like high schools in the area and like you know how how safe are they from you know regarding drug use and that sort of thing and saying look you know there's there's the the higher class high schools and lower class high schools and the only difference between them is the higher class high schools are using more expensive drugs you know they're all using this, they're all using something, but it's just, um, you know, a higher, higher price tag. Mm -hmm. So maybe also the, when use started. Sure. Might have a bit of an impact there too, including secondhand use. So if you're, if parents mm. are smoking marijuana around children, that probably is going to have an impact, not just learned behavior, but that chemical, the secondhand smoke of that chemical or smoking. Mm -hmm. is going into their system, which may be priming them later on for that use. So true. Right? Maybe. 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 Yeah. Uh, yes. I also, yeah, I think there are other things that can kind of prime people for that as well. You know, I, I, think, I think about like slot machines and kind of the intermittent reinforcement that people get from that. Uh, Intermittent reinforcement means that that sometimes you're rewarded, sometimes you're not. It's uh, mm. it's it's like a slot machine. Sometimes the payout's big, sometimes it's not. Um, but but the whole idea is, well, if you keep playing, you tell yourself, well, if I keep playing, then I'll get something, right? Then I'll get the big reward. And we have a lot of things these days that have this kind of intermittent reinforcement idea. You know, video games are that way. Um, uh, Social media. Social media, yes. Yeah. Oh boy, that's a huge one. Like, right. Can we even talk about internet addiction when it's not gaming addiction? And when are right. we going to actually start addressing that? Or even just like phone, being on your phone all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what I would call internet addiction because chances are they're not playing like solitaire on a solitaire app. You never know. Some people love their gaming apps and just are on there a lot. But you're right. It tends to be more internet. 
sure. like, whether it's social media or gaming or whatnot, but the phone addiction, yeah, I think, or I think there's a huge phone internet addiction going on glo- like in our culture right now. Massive. Yeah. And I think it's leading to a lot of depression and anxiety symptoms, a lot of disconnection, disconnection. Yeah. If we look at it, there's like schoolwork isn't being done for teenagers. They're not yeah. connecting with their friends face to face. They're relying on these, their emotional upswings are getting bigger. They're isolating themselves more. Like Very uh, true. Very yeah. true. I mean, there's, and the there's, parents are doing the same thing. Yeah. There's a lot of research that came out recently about how Sadly, uh, teenage female suicidality had a spike, you know, rose uh, at the same rate as uh, social media use, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a big, big problem there. And, and I'll make a, a plug for, for a book for one of my buddies. Um, it's called The Game is Playing Your Kid by Joe Dilley, which is about how that the whole gaming industry is about trying to hook people in really it's it's about pulling you in and getting getting more of your time uh so that you can have more they can get more money out of that basically right so mm-hmm. they're they're really focused on getting more out of uh more usage out of your out of your kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the uh, netflix documentary the social dilemma talks about social that dilemma. as well and go. it's the same concept just kind of going into it a bit more detail so they're actually talking to the persons who have worked in these companies yeah the big social network companies um and talking to them and they're like yeah there's no ethics involved in this there are no ethics committees so these things are being built to be more addictive to keep you on longer to get more of your money wow that's wild so they're they're like actively forming addiction do you think too like just the the instant gratification of a lot of these things being at our fingertips too or just the mm-hmm. um it kind of gets you going or for kids or for youth or even adults uh, they might get bored more easily or it might take more and more to kind of get that satisfaction right or that yeah. hit that you'd get right from yeah. yeah you build a tolerance yeah tolerance there we go or you just yeah you start to want or you start to kind of crave that or you can't really help yeah well, it's also habits too. Like you can pick up our phone or if you're sitting around with people. Um, it's always nice to go somewhere where there's no reception because uh, then people can't, in a lull of in conversation, you can't just pick up your phone because it's amazing how you just do that without thinking. And all of a sudden, yeah. but that, that person's somewhere else. Yeah. So the, just even having the phones there, right? Like it's, when yeah. I was younger, I had a, a roommate. So I was probably, I don't know, 24 or 25 and she was 19 or 20 and uh, I'm not really attached to my phone I left my phone at home and I like went to the gym and went grocery shopping and came home and she was like in a frenzy she was so anxious she was like oh my gosh are you okay did anything happen like what what where were you <laughs> like I was about to call the police I was like I've been gone for two hours what's the what like is everything okay she's like you left your phone here like oh wow yeah i i did i left my i left my phone because i don't really care if i have my phone she was actually off playing video games for two hours neglecting her obligations that day i was gone i was gone but yeah she she thought something really really bad happened because i didn't bring my phone with me yeah Yeah, joanne and i oh go ahead ron sorry 
No, go ahead. I was just going to say we're, we're running a little shorter on time, and so we should probably get to our final question here, but I don't want oh, okay. to take away from your, your little point there. I was saying we, we have, uh, in our family, we have a phrase that Joanne and I came up with called BIP, being present. So if someone picks up their phone and they're not engaging, then you call them out to go BIP, BIP. Uh, just a reminder to say, oh, okay, I got to be engaged in what's going on here. Not, we call uh, each off. other out. Yeah, call each other out. Well, I'm glad I didn't fully interrupt that point because that is fantastic. So you guys actually will walk around your house and say "bip," you know. Bip, bip. I, it's well, it's Chris and I usually just use it with each other. We've we've told the rest of the yeah. family about it, but Chris and I are mostly calling each other. So even if it annoys the other person, we'll be like "bip," and we'll be like, "I'm just looking at something." It's like "nope, bip." Just I'm just gambling. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just can't. Just connecting with other people who are not here. Let me put this Amazon order in. (laughs) Three seconds. Advice for those dealing with an addiction. Let's uh, throw out our advice. Uh, We're going to start with BIP. Tell people to be in the present. There we go. What else? If you're you're dealing with an addiction, maybe if someone you love is dealing with an addiction, anything we we can do for them? For those being in addiction, this is like really, 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 really hard to do. Um, But I would say try to stay open-minded to feedback from others. Because sometimes in those moments, you're so blinded that you're not, you no longer have the perspective. And if you're getting the same message from multiple people, you need to listen to that. So trying to stay open-minded or receptive to that feedback. Sure. And being prepared to be uncomfortable right like to kind of face some uncomfortable feelings um and being willing to explore those at least a little bit yeah i think from a substance use or or, um, misuse uh, perspective um there's a lot of great resources out there and uh, so a lot of people really gravitate towards the 12 steps and that could be a fantastic fit for that individual but if it's not that's okay too is actually uh, smart recovery too. It's based on a, uh, a leading theory in psychology, REBT. So they kind of walk you through some techniques that are uh, based on psychology to help you kind of shift and change those habits and patterns. So there's a lot of good approaches out there. And um, so just trying to connect to the one that fits your preferences. So if it's 12 steps, that's great. If not, that's okay too. There's alternatives out there. Mm-hmm. There's another. Also, like the... Oh, go. I was just going to say, there's another another uh, modality that, that people use. It's called motivational interviewing, as you were mm-hmm. kind of alluded yeah. to that a little bit before, which is really kind of getting into, let's really focus on what your motivation might be and how strong is that motivation and, and what happens if you do decide to make this change and what happens if you don't. And it's a very, you know, introspective sort of thing. Why, why am I choosing to do this and why might I choose to do something different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also going to also throw in the idea of psychotherapy. Hey, what do yeah. you know? Psychotherapy can be helpful for, for some of this work. Um, but, but this area with addiction, I will say more than, more than a lot of areas in psychotherapy, like most, most therapists are, are trained to deal with depression or anxiety, these sorts of things. But addiction is, is a little more of a specialty. And if you're, if you're seeking out um, treatment for, for an addiction, whether it's, substances or behaviors or something like that you may want to look around more specifically for someone who does specialize in that area because um, not every therapist does there's there's some therapists i know who 
um, you know, if it's a chemical dependency issue, for example, they'll be like, oh, that's not for me. That's, that's, I'm not, I don't feel confident or competent in that area. So you may have to do a little extra digging to kind of look around for someone who really does specialize in that, in that field of work. Mm -hmm. I was also going to say um, another hard one, but don't give up. Hmm. It takes more than one try. So um, ah. the last time, you know, going through my schooling and reading, I think the number, the last number I heard was seven attempts before you actually are successful in recovery. So yeah. it's, um, and that's like valiant attempts. So yeah. it's, there's going to be ups and downs and it's going to take a few tries and seven is average. You might get it in two, but you might get it in 15. We don't know. So we want to keep trying until we find the thing that works. Every yeah. time you try is a learning opportunity to learn what did we miss last time and what do we need to work on now? And let's see if yeah. we can help you with that. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. I think um, it's a good thing to point out that through the science of neuroplasticity, we can rewire our brains. We can change these pathways and uh, people do get better. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it can happen right away. Your first try, second try may take longer and that's okay, but it is possible. Yeah. So a holistic approach, right? Usually um, the best path is an integrated one. Mm -hmm. We've touched on a lot of those things over the course of this boot camp: sleep, nutrition, exercise, connecting to positive people, mm -hmm. um, trying to develop some new healthy uh, habits and patterns. You guys, we've said it all. Actually, we haven't said it all. There's a lot more to say about this, but we've said it all for tonight. Uh, thanks for all of your wonderful insights. We're going to wrap it up for tonight. So please like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a few friends. We're looking for people, particularly in Iceland. We're looking for some South America folks. Uh, anywhere in Africa, we would love to get. So just spread us around. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.